This is Worldwide Veronica with a K. No one will discover the world for you. Hello and welcome back to Veronica with a K, a show about international education and the experience of international students. I'm so pleased to welcome you to season two. It's been a long time, but I'm very happy to be back both on air and at my home radio station WLUR in Lexington, Virginia. My time at the University of St. Andrews has been a fantastic experience and it absolutely broke my heart to leave my incredible friends there and the UK in general, but I'm also happy to be back in the States. I'm sure it's not the end of my UK adventures just yet. In season two, I want to keep focus on international education, personal study abroad stories, and international students' experiences. But this time, we'll be adding new, even more exciting voices. I decided to start inviting international education professionals to the show as well as students so that you'll learn a different side of the study abroad process. Most of them also had their personal experience studying abroad and so many stories about why they decided to get into the field of international education. So, without further ado, I'm happy to welcome you to the new chapter of Veronica with a K. As you can guess from the title, my name is Veronica. I'm now a junior at Washington Lee University in the United States. Originally, I'm from Moscow, Russia, and I just got back from a semester abroad at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. I'm studying business administration and strategic communication, and as you can guess as well, I love talking to people. Thankfully, I have plenty of opportunities to chat with amazing people on the show, and today in the studio with me is Julian Murphy, Assistant Director of International Education and Study Abroad Coordinator at Washington and Lee University. Julian has been at WNL for the last four years and has been an amazing addition to our Office of International Education. Julian, can you give us a rundown of the main projects that you work on in your role at CIE? My primary role is to coordinate the spring term abroad programs, and those are four-week faculty-led study abroad programs. Nice. Well, can you tell me about your educational journey? How did you end up working at CAE? How did that happen? Oh, yeah. So I studied at Juniata College, which is in Huntington, Pennsylvania. And after I graduated, I started working there in international education for two years. And that was kind of adding on to some work study things that I had done for the office. Um, I also, while I was a student, I coordinated the living and learning community. So kind of like we have Casa Hispanica at WNL, right. a similar um, environment. So um, I worked at Juniata for two years after graduating, and then um, now I'm working on my master's. That's exciting. Why did you study international studies? International studies combined a lot of my interests. So I was always interested in learning about different cultures and language. And then it has a little bit of economics and development. Um, and it also enabled me to study a language. I wanted to study Spanish. So mm -hmm. I kind of fell into it because it combined so many of my interests. That's very exciting. And for Spanish, did you do a study abroad during your time? Because, you know, you would think that international studies, it should be a requirement at least. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I studied abroad. Um, I did a short-term program in the Gambia and Vietnam. Those were both oh, faculty-led wow. programs. And I um, also studied abroad at the University of Guanajuato in Mexico for the academic year. So for the 2015 year. to 2016. Oh my god, how did that go? A lot of people are scared to go for a semester and you went for an entire year. Oh yeah, I just loved it. I had a really just amazing time there and I I had been learning Spanish for so long, like even through middle school. Yeah. But I don't think my Spanish really clicked until I was in the academic environment where it's just a full immersion Spanish all the time in class, outside of class, and so I yeah, there's just nothing that compares to full immersion for learning a language. So 
totally really beneficial. I agree. Why did you choose to go to Mexico specifically, not like Spain or any other country? Um, we had a good exchange program with mm. Guanajuato, so I had known a lot of people who right. had come to my university um, from Mexico, and I had gotten to know them and and heard about the country and the place. Um, and yeah, just the culture appealed to me, the, the closeness to the United States. Like it's it's so different, but it's still um, a shorter right. flight and. I also was, uh, I knew it would be a little bit less expensive than Europe, so that definitely played into it for me as well. Of course, interesting. Well, I know it's been quite a couple years since then, (laughs) but still, it's so exciting to hear you refer to it as such a meaningful experience. Can you maybe recall what is the most memorable thing that happened during your time abroad? How did that? Oh, wow. I have a you, I mean, it's hard to pin down, but of there's course. two that come to mind right away. And I know people always say that embarrassing moments are <laughs> moments that like come, you know, that stick yeah. in your memory more than anything. And I can remember um, like through a misunderstanding of language, uh, communicating with somebody about like, I knew that there was a some kind of performance going on, but mm-hmm. I understood that they wanted to meet with me after. But then through some miscalculation, like I was just kind of thrown into speaking on the stage in front of a lot of people about being an international student in Mexico. (laughs) And um, it was very embarrassing, just like the shocking moment of all of a sudden I open this door and there's an audience that I wasn't expecting. But also to come through that and be able to like explain myself and speak in full sentences. So um, it's when I realized like, oh, I can communicate in this language, like people are understanding me. And yeah, so. Oh, my um, God. That's awesome. You know, some people are just scared of public speaking in general. But oh, you yeah. were <laughs> thrown on the stage in not in your in non-native language, and you had to talk to the audience, and you still killed it. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Look at you, Julia. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we kind of touched on that a little, but um, just to summarize, what value, in your opinion, studying abroad has for personal, academic, and professional development? So... For personal development, I think, and this is true for me and a lot of the students that I've spoken with, that it helps so much with developing confidence because you're in an unfamiliar situation and there's a lot of times where you sort of have to, you know, it's ambiguous. You're like, I I think I know what's going on, but I'm not totally sure. And then just sitting with that feeling and still taking some kind of action and trying to be respectful. So I think um, that's a huge personal Mm -hmm. growth is the confidence and dealing with ambiguity professionally for me it solidified my desire to want to work with people in other cultures Mm -hmm. it's always been something that's interesting to me and um, I didn't know when I was in Mexico that I would stick with international ed but um, it definitely solidified that interest and then academically it helped me realize that the United States is not the center of the world (laughs) like I grew up you know I grew up in Vermont it was very homogenous you know I, I had like a certain view of the world and where the United States sat Mm -hmm. in the world and then when you study abroad and you get academic content you know the authors are from other countries the publications you're reading it changes you know how you think about the United States so of course it it is a key part then studying abroad just because you get to see from the inside of another country rather than just hearing about it yeah definitely you're consuming their media their authors television because media in general like tends to portray specific like specific countries in particular ways and it is very hard to see beyond that especially if you either don't speak the language and you can't read the media within that country 
or if you're um, like, and, and unless you go to that country to actually see it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's definitely a crucial thing to actually go and see and maybe change perspective about your own country. Who would have known, right? <laughs> Yeah, and you said that your studying abroad influenced your like in- interest in international education. But can you tell me more about your master's program? You're still doing it. Have you finished it? How's that going? Oh, yeah. I've been going through it very slowly. So mm-hmm. I started in spring of 2021, and I think um, COVID definitely played a role in that, having some right. time. And, and um, it's an online program, and it was always online. It was, you know, built intentionally, mm-hmm. not as a reaction to the pandemic. So... Um, it's re- I think really well done and it's just a, an amazing department because I get to study with people from all around the world and the professors are all around the world um, but they do have a home base at UMass Amherst. So. Cool and it is called international education right? Yep yeah it's a, it will be a master's in international education. That's amazing so do you learn how to work with international students or do you learn how to send domestic students abroad like I would think the second one falls more into your professional category, but how would you describe your master's? Yeah, it's a little bit um, removed from work in some sense. So, mm-hmm. for instance, right now I'm taking a class about globalization. I've taken one about oh, immigration. That's so, interesting. so it's a lot about um, how countries develop economically mm-hmm. and history and studying colonialism and things like that. Um, but it, it relates if you think about the movement of people and how that affects society. So mm-hmm. um, there's some, you know, there's some leaps that I have to make to my day-to-day work, but I think it really enriches what I'm doing and what I'm thinking about and some of those big questions that are raised by study abroad yeah. and, and movement of people. That's amazing. I really, really want to uh, dig deeper into globalization and immigration. So whenever, when you brought that stuff, I was like, yes, I think it's so interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And the world is just changing so fast. Yeah. And like our generation is, is having to deal with that. You know, we have like technology and AI and the pandemic. Yeah. And these are all products of globalization. Absolutely. And it impacts our daily life so much. And a lot of people don't actually realize to what extent they are globalized, especially if they're like, you know, just sitting in one country and doing their little thing. They don't really understand where that big impact is coming from. So I think it's amazing that to your job, it might not be directly related or, you know, like managing the study abroad, but it still provides you with so much background and so much additional knowledge that helps you be even more successful. I love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And WNL has been really supportive, too. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And um, since you're studying your master's, some people I know some people who are considering master's in international education. What advice would you give to them? people who just thinking about it yeah there are so many different kinds of programs I've really found the online education um, sometimes it has kind of a bad rap Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's been so beneficial to me because I'm able to participate in a way that I wouldn't normally like I can you know in a classroom environment you don't always have time to think about what you're gonna say and craft an argument or response but online like we you know, we're constantly in these discussions with each other, but it's there's more time to digest the material before I speak about it, mm-hmm. which I really like. So I'd say that people should give online a chance. Um, and also working and studying adds this like extra dimension. You know, you can talk about your work in a different way and you can right. talk about your school in a different way mm-hmm. and combine those two topics. So that's de- that's definitely an interesting take. So it's like 3D kind of perspective and everything when you get to see and feel and like, kind of in, in multi-dimension I love that 
Yeah, yeah, it's been really great for me. And there's, you know, there's a lot of programs in international education specifically, or mm-hmm. even higher education. Like I know Middlebury International Institute has right. a really great program in Monterey. That was like, I would also love to study there. Mm. But maybe next. Yeah, you know. maybe next. <laughs> there's just, there's never too much to study. That's there's right. Always, yeah. And <laughs> as we were saying, it's so ever changing that you, you don't know, like two years from now, Maybe there's going to be a whole new program about something. <laughs> we just, you know, we, we just can't predict those things. Yeah, and since you work for the Center for International Education here at WNL, I assume you get to travel for work, kind of isn't the definition? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, what is your favorite place you have been so far? Work. Ooh, it's so tricky. Like I'm looking at your University of St. Andrews sweatshirt <laughs> and yes. I just absolutely love um, I've had the opportunity a few times to go on the orientation yeah. for those students who um, are going to study at St. Andrews for a semester. So we, as you know, you know, get a, accustomed to the country and the place. And I love doing that orientation with my colleague, Cindy Irby. And um, I also really love uh, the internship program in Merida, Mexico, of course, because I, I love Mexico and <laughs> I, I just think the culture is really lovely and it's um it's a really interesting place with a lot of history. So those are my top two. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'm I'm just a little bit tiny biased <laughs> on this one, but definitely. And I absolutely love that people from CAE get to go with us because it's just such a fun experience. You also get to see them in a different environment that you usually don't get to see them in on campus. Yeah, and build relationships exactly, with yeah. people that you may not otherwise become close to. Absolutely. Totally. And we, you touched a little on COVID and the global pandemic, but right now in 2023, we're still facing the aftermath of this pandemic. And based on your observations, how do you think COVID affected study abroad as a vital part of education? Do you think it's like, are more people going now since they can, or is it actually people being cautious? Are there like any trends you observed? Yeah, so of course with spring term, it was canceled for a few years during COVID and it started up again in 2022. And I think the demand that students have, you know, their desire to study Mm -hmm. abroad is stronger than ever. Interesting. So that's been so nice to see that people are eager to go and they recognize what a special part it is Mm -hmm. of education. To be able to travel as part of your education is like really rare for most of the world. So Mm -hmm. I think WNL students in particular realize what a privilege that is and then they take it very seriously and they you know they're prepared and they're eager to go um more broadly in education i think people are realizing that uh studying abroad isn't the only way to get a global dimension to Mm -hmm. your education Mm -hmm. so like using other authors or um you know media from other countries there's a lot of ways speakers to get that global dimension to your um, education in the united states yeah and I love that WNL is actually listening to students and, uh, um, you know, responds to that demand. I heard that there are a lot of spring term courses this year. Is that true? Like, is it more than last year or how's yeah, that working? Yeah, there are. There are 19 this year. Oh, wow. So it kind of ebbs and flows. Like, I would say the even years are usually, generally there's going to be more classes offered. Mm-hmm. And that's just entirely up to their professors and their teaching schedules and when they can teach of and what they want to teach. So. Um, but yeah, 19, that is a pretty good number. It yeah, is. we've been busy. It is, very imp- uh, it is very, very impressive. And while we're on the topic of, you know, choosing to study abroad, whether students want to, what is one misconception about study abroad that you hear most often, like either in your job or like personal life when people talk about it? 
Yeah, I think a lot of people would just say, um, I can't study abroad because it's too expensive mm-hmm. or it won't fit with my major or right. there can be some barriers sometimes that people mention. And of course, they, these are real challenges. Like I wouldn't want to discredit that there are you know, challenges that people have to overcome, but they're not barriers until you've tried to overcome them. You know, So right. I always encourage people because one of the reasons that I wanted to work at WNL is because they have financial aid funding for short-term programs, which is kind of rare in the U.S. Right. for short-term study abroad, um, and likewise for uh, full-term study abroad. So um, there are different scholarships, there's financial aid, and then if you um, plan, a lot of times you can find at least one way to have an international experience that works with your major. Yeah, if you put enough effort into finding it out and like actually asking people, and especially departments WNL, I just feel like they're very flexible because we understand the value of international education here, so they will work with you to figure that out. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes it may mean only majoring in one thing or two things. You know, yeah. this um, there's a, a tendency to kind of stack majors, and that can make it really tricky to uh, yeah. to to finagle study abroad. But um, yeah, I just think it's a, a really valuable thing that you can do in college because when you leave college it's nearly impossible to just like go somewhere for six months or yeah. 12 months you know that that doesn't uh, become as easy once you graduate yeah. so. and here when you have a chance to work with the departments that are willing to work with you and when you have such an amazing study abroad coordinator you know it's just it's just <laughs> a shame to not take that to take advantage <laughs> of that opportunity well okay let's say the student worked it out with all their majors, mm-hmm. you know, as a double major in the minor, I understand what you mean. <laughs> I really do. What preparations should students do before starting the study abroad program to ensure a better and like more positive experience? So I think it's very helpful to work with your academic advisor mm-hmm. to make sure that you have all those things in place and you know that your credits are going to transfer, things like that mm-hmm. for full term. I also think it helps a lot to have some context about the country so like through reading novels that's Mm -hmm. a great way or even just checking out the news that's going there because once you get there and you're trying to talk with (laughs) people it's nice to have a common reference point you know like oh I just read um, like I read uh, this book Shruggy Bane when I before I went to Scotland this past (laughs) time and then I was thinking about that book and like oh I could mention this to people and so you have some reference before you get to the country right not going in blind Mm because that's just gonna be awkward yeah, right. yeah, and it's it's nice to have, at le- especially the history, to know some, some right. things about where you're going. Of course, yeah, just basic historic knowledge. Yeah, that's great advice. What about the mindset? Is there any particular mindset that you, like, that you think students should have going into their study abroad program? Yeah, I you know, definitely openness. That helps people mm-hmm. a lot. Being flexible, because I think, mo- I mean, and I'm sure you can comment on this more than anyone, but <laughs> when you go in, you think it's going to be a certain way, and it absolutely will not be that way. Yeah. So being able to kind of go with the flow, and on short-term programs, many times, like, uh, you're hungry, or you're tired, or <laughs> like, you're not feeling so hot, you know, and just keeping a positive attitude, and realizing, mm-hmm. like, okay, this will pass at some point and you know you'll have these moments of highs and lows so some discomfort is totally normal on study abroad especially for long term like you're gonna be so excited when you get there they call it like the honeymoon phase right and then you will have a period of being homesick and down and thinking like Mm -hmm. this is so different 
And I remember in Mexico, the first time that happened to me was when I tried to make eggplant parmesan in Mexico, <laughs> and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get like the right oil, so I made it with coconut oil, and it was, it was just like really gross. And oh I was God. flinging the eggplant, like the fried eggplant, off the balcony into this, <laughs> like to the stray dogs, and just being so angry, like, why did I decide to do this? I can't get the food I let, you know. Yeah. So everyone has those moments, but you just have to ride it out, and then you'll be better for it at the end. Of course, yeah. I, I love the eggplant sword. <laughs> Iconic. Thank you. My roommates were just throwing pizza off the balcony because they also got really mad and stressed. So. Yeah, I mean, there's something about it when you're throwing things yeah. from high above. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll look out when I'm walking down Main Street that there's no pizza. <laughs> yeah, just be aware. Be aware. You, know, you, you never know what's going to happen. You know, it, it might, Lexington might be a small town, but, you know, it's a college town. Yeah, so crazy, anything crazy can happen. Things happen. <laughs> Yeah, but I totally agree. There is, especially when it comes to short-term study programs, I feel like you're just so tired. Like, I mean, oh, I did a full yeah. term, but I had friends who went for a spring term abroad, and one of them was my, my best friend, Haley. She went to Costa Rica our freshman year, and she talked about it. Actually, the first episode of season one was with her about it. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, and it just it's such fast-paced environment that you just get there, and you're like, you need to, you know, you're jet-lagged, but you also need to still keep that positive attitude, and it can be hard. Yeah, definitely. And I think making time for reflection is really useful, like even yes. like through journaling. And there's a lot of research about how that's how people learn things, especially if you're in an uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. If you take time to reflect critically, like, OK, what happened? Why do I feel this way? Why am I uncomfortable? Yeah. And that's what kind of starts the learning yeah. process. If you want to be comfortable, you might as well stay home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, there's definitely some truth to that. Yeah. Like you got to go in expecting things. Exactly. To be you, you can't be like, oh, my God, I'm just going to do the same thing. No, that's <laughs> the whole point. That's the whole yeah. point of not doing the same thing. <laughs> well, another reason why many people don't go abroad is because their parents are too worried about them. And I ask students, it's like one of the typical questions that I ask is, how they dealt with explaining the unique opportunity to go to study abroad to their friends, to their families. And I was wondering what advice would you give from more of like professional point of view, how to how to calm down worried parents, do like where parents reach out to you? <laughs> how does that work? Yeah, so I think part of study abroad is definitely like the student taking responsibility, mm -hmm. owning the experience. And a, and a part of that is WNL and the Center for International Education will try to provide all the information that you need for a successful experience. Mm -hmm. And so I, in my view, the role of the student then is to read that information, you know, ask questions if things are missing, and then communicate to their family and to their mm -hmm. friends, people who will be worried about them. And likewise with knowing about the country, like that's something I went through a lot with Mexico because if you look at the news about Mexico, you know, there's some some problems that are happening, obviously. And so, you know, parents and even people in the community would be so nervous. They're like, are you right. sure it's okay? And so that means I really need to know about the country, the situation, the city that I'm going to, mm -hmm. how it's portrayed in media, what's the reality in the country, so that I can explain that. Um, but likewise, I needed to tell my parents, where am I living? How will I pay for this? Like, all things that my school had provided. So yeah. that's part of the learning experience is becoming a communicator. So. That's yeah. what my advice for students is to have that open channel of communication with their parents. Absolutely. And it kind of forces you to do the research about the country because you need to make your argument. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, in some ways it's useful for being a, a young adult too to tell, like for instance, with my mom, I had to say, mom, I'm, I probably won't be able to call you every day, but I, I'm going to try to call you at least every two days. And so right. she then wouldn't worry, oh, I haven't heard from her for 
six yeah. hours or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, just useful. establishing those like patterns, those like habits. I think that's great. Yeah, which all will serve you later in life. Mm-hmm. You know, having like boundaries and communication, and of yeah, that's all useful skills. So yeah, and just preparing for studying where it's such a good demo version of like adulting because <laughs> for many people who. For example, you know, like, don't go to another country for college. It's very hard to go through that, like, separation process from their parents. And study abroad can really start it and in a very nice and organized way that is yeah, universally definitely. supported. Yeah, and, and having your parents build trust in you that, yes. that, that you know what you're doing and you can handle yourself. So I think, that, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So earlier you told us a little bit about the projects that you work on as an assistant director of international education and study abroad coordinator. But now I really want to get more into detail about what you're doing. So one of the WNL's academic distinction we talked about spring term. Can you tell us a little more in detail? How does that work? Like, how does it work WNL? Spring term abroad? Yes. So, um, Spring term abroad are those faculty-led courses, mm-hmm. of course, and they're usually, uh, the term is four weeks, and students could go abroad for two weeks and have two weeks on campus, or three weeks abroad and one week on campus, um, and you're with a group of WNL peers, and it's taught by a WNL professor. Mm-hmm. So there's some familiar environment for students, but then you're really learning from the place where you are, so, and it varies so much by courses, um, you know, every course is different, but... I would say we have probably two-thirds of the courses each year repeat. So it might be a professor that teaches every other year, every two years. And then um, each year we have some new courses. So like we have a music and math course that's going to study statistics in South Korea this year. Oh, that's That's amazing. brand new. Yeah, we have a hiking a Camino course that was planned in the past, but this will be the first year that it runs. We have Mm -hmm. happiness course in Denmark that I'm very excited about through CBSC. So, um, yeah, there's always some new and exciting ones. Yeah, everyone can learn a little bit about happiness, you know? I think think it's such a cool course. You get to go abroad and you get to study happiness. Say less. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I know many students decide to go abroad during this time because it works out very nicely with their majors. Just circling back to what we're talking about when you're like double majoring, minoring. (laughs) Sometimes you just can't afford to go for a full term or if you have a sequence of courses that you have to take. But spring term, since it is separate from fall and winter term at WNL, I think it's such a great opportunity to actually experience study abroad. How are the destinations for this courses selected? Do professors choose them? Do the departments? How does that work? Yeah, so it's almost entirely up to the professor. And a lot of times it will be a region that the professor has done research in or they have some kind of academic mm-hmm. connection. But yeah, so I would say it's really focused on the academic content and then the region that complements that. So like to use the happiness example, you know, Scandinavia comes up a lot of times as the happiest country. So that makes perfect sense to study happiness in that location. You know, there's some extra info there. So, but yeah, the locations are entirely up to professors and sometimes we'll have repeat places. So I think this year there are like three, at least three courses going to France and that's just the nature of who's teaching and and Mm -hmm. what they want to teach, so. Yeah, and French is, very popular language here at WNL. There are so many people studying French and oh, German. Yeah. German, Spanish, French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on your end, what are some of your responsibilities on coordinating it and facilitating it? Do you work with department heads or professors? What about the management side? Yeah, I would say I work probably 60% with professors and mm-hmm. 40% with students. So um, I, I don't know if students always realize that the process for spring term starts almost like a year and a half 
before the courses are even advertised. Yes. So there's coming up with the academic idea and working with partners overseas and making sure that it meets WNL safety mm-hmm. and academic requirements. So that's a big part of my job, um, helping professors craft budgets so that mm-hmm. we can give um, financial aid the, the full cost of the program. So like you may pay a program fee, but um, the Office of Financial Aid would want to know like, you know, what are some of these out-of-pocket costs? So right. we try to get a full picture. So. There's a lot of administrative tasks like that. Um, but then there's also working with students and helping them decide on which program and mm-hmm. how to apply and how to apply for a passport and things like that. Right. So, um, yeah, I would say it's about a 60-40. Mm-hmm. An advertisement, of course, That's like we true. have our study yeah. abroad <laughs> fair and um, coming up on October 4th is when we'll have an information session for students nice. where we share how to apply and how to apply for financial aid. Can we get a sneak peek? How do oh, you yeah. apply? You, know? <laughs> you said that the courses are planned like a year and a half in advance, right? What about the actual application process? Can you tell us for For um, <laughs> students. Yeah, right? for yeah, students. For students. Mm-hmm. So right now, if you go on the Center for International Education website, and you can just Google that, um, it will bring you to spring term abroad, and you'll Ooh. see the course listing. So you can read about all the courses. Mm-hmm. Um, the prices will be published by October 1st. And then you'll see an Apply Now button on that website. So that's nice. the first step is to click that Apply Now button. You <laughs> can click it twice, so you can apply to up to two programs. And, um, yeah, and then it's just a brief application. You um, read some materials, mostly safety mm-hmm. materials, and then you write a statement of purpose. So um, I always advise people to really focus on the academic content of the mm-hmm. course and why you're interested in the course specifically and then to keep like the country secondary um, interesting yeah because that you know at the heart of it it's study abroad so like right. you really want to emphasis the <laughs> academic part knowing that like you know the the life outside of studying is just as educational but that can be helpful yeah and uh i don't know if you can share that but how does the selection process look like does do professors choose it do you choose it how is that working no that's entirely up to the professor so it, oh, it's wow. similar to how it would be for a regular class on campus um except for, for professors will have more information you know they'll have your statement mm-hmm. of purpose students also write a little bit about their course background like what they've taken mm-hmm. at wnl that relates and how much they've traveled and then professors have really you know, it varies what they're looking for in the class. And so I always just tell people, just be yourself, Mm -hmm. explain why you want to be in the (laughs) course and don't try to think too much about like, oh, what will the professor want? Like really you're just making sure that you're a right fit for the program. That's awesome that professors get to craft those those little communities that they're taking abroad because then they can choose so many different perspectives and make the class even more engaging even though you already are in a different country. I love that. Yeah, it's great. And even the relationships that you form with people, as you know, when you study abroad, like, you know, you'll meet students from other departments that like maybe you would have never interacted with them. Definitely. And then the relationship that you have with your professor, like they are going to know you very well and you know Mm -hmm. that's somebody that later in life you can ask them for a recommendation for grad school or like you know you can ask them for advice in a different way because you've spent so much time with them totally and you get to know them on a different level oh yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really fun and well to kind of deviate from spring term abroad i wanted to ask you about projects for peace do you still do that how can you tell me more about what it is Oh, yeah, of course. I love working with Projects for Peace. It's a really fun part of my job. So 
Um, that is run through Middlebury College, and essentially it is a $10,000 grant to implement a sustainable peace-building project. And that can happen anywhere in the world. In the last few years that I've worked with the program, it's always been abroad, um, but sometimes, you know, it could be theoretically in the United States also. Mm-hmm. So, And this is a grassroots project that students conceive of, and a lot of international students have been recipients in the past um, because they a successful project depends on having relationships abroad. So I'd mm-hmm. say it's usually study abroad returnees or international students Interesting. Um, that have a connection to the community because the point is that it should be a sustainable project, something that can right. continue after they leave the country. Mm, interesting. So what does the application process look like? What is the timeline for people who want to apply? Yeah, so we're still working on that for this year, mm-hmm. but it's usually due at the end of January. And the projects occur in the summer. So for summer of 24, the application is going to be due towards the end of January. And I am not part of the selection committee. So my Mm -hmm. job is really just Mm -hmm. to work with students and try to craft the best project that we can. Mm -hmm. And it's so fun. It's like I love doing it. So um, we'll have an information session where people can learn about the process. But essentially, you're writing a project proposal um, with very, you know, the website has very like strict requirements for mm-hmm. what you include and the formatting, um, and then you craft a budget, and eventually all of the submitted proposals go to a committee on campus called um, GLAC, the Global Learning. Oh, sorry, I can't. I don't know the acronym now, but it's Global. Oh, Global Learning Advisory Committee. That's what it is. Oh. GLAC. And that's um, the director. That's a funny name. Yeah, it is. We always just call it GLAC, so I never really thought yeah. the acronym through. Um, But it's made up of professors and the director of Center for International Education and some staff members who will then nominate a proposal and that Mm. person would be the recipient of the grant. Oh, so it's not like they nominate to another selection committee, it's nominate to get the grant. Yeah, essentially Projects for Peace always honors WNL's nomination. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Such an exciting opportunity. And I feel like not so many people actually know about it. Yeah, it is. We're trying to do a better job Mm -hmm. of um, advertising. But yeah, I mean, there's just been some really incredible projects. Like, I don't know if you know Jamal McGurry. Yeah, he had a just amazing project in Tanzania. And he overcame a lot of um, hurdles with COVID. And he actually ended up implementing it online. But working with uh, a community of first responders in Tanzania that travel by motorcycle. It was just like very creative and interesting project. um, Building on an organization that already exists in the country and has, you know, this sustainable yeah. long-term presence. So That's amazing. It sounds like something in Jamal's realm. I love it. Yeah, studying health. And yeah, yeah I mean, he just did such a good job. And I, you know, I think especially with COVID, he was just pivoting. And he mm-hmm. worked with Julie Devasti as well. Right. Um, I didn't mean to leave Julie out because she was very <laughs> integral in the, in the process yeah. also. Honestly, what an icon. I love that. That's yeah, amazing. they're both really great. Absolutely, absolutely killing it. Well, you know, not a lot of people know about Projects for Peace. We're working on changing that. Are there any other opportunities or programs that you wish more students knew about? It doesn't have to be WNL related, but just in general, any cool study abroad things that you heard of? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the internship program that WNL mm. offers grants for. So we have, um, theoretically, somebody could study abroad in the summer, but financially it doesn't apply in the summer yeah. for traditional academic study mm-hmm. abroad. 
but the Center for International Education has grants for internship programs, and so um, that can, you know, there's a limited number of grants, but that can provide some funding for people. And I think the idea of doing an internship abroad is just like a double whammy of amazingness, mm-hmm. you know, because you have like this work experience yeah. of working with people from different cultures, but then you're getting all the benefits of study abroad. And sometimes it will have an academic component, um, you know, a, a course that you would take abroad or you could take uh, WNL's career and professional development mm-hmm. course related to internships. So I think that's a really great opportunity um, that we'd like to spread yeah, the word about. Yeah. That's amazing. And can I just plug one more? Of course. <laughs> so there's also, I mentioned this earlier, but the Merida program. So it's Millsaps College in Merida. And that is a internship where um, it would be really great for people who are at a certain, you know, a advanced level of Spanish where mm-hmm. they can hold a conversation. But um, there's opportunities to internship in a hospital or to work with children and youth at CRI, which is a um, mobility clinic or um, someone also has done an internship in a museum. So I think that's another exciting internship program that's available for students. That sounds so cool. You know, I'm not a pre-med, but my best friend Haley, she's a pre-med and oh. a Spanish uh, Spanish person. She just got back from Spain. I'm going to tell her about oh, it when yeah. I get home. Yeah, you it's have amazing. to. Yeah, I think she'd probably really like it. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect opportunity. I love that. That's so awesome. And um, all of those programs are great. What about the, um, just like circling back to the internship thing, what are some requirements? Are students supposed to like get an internship offer and then apply for a grant or do, do they have to apply to specific internship programs? How does that work on application side? Yeah, so this is more um, what my colleague Cindy does, the advising oh, right. for these programs. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say any incorrect information, okay, good. Yeah. but um, there are, org- so first, the first step is always to be approved by WNL to study abroad. Mm-hmm. So you would first apply to WNL, and then um, once you've been approved by WNL, Cindy would help you find an internship. Oh, okay. Organization. So these are mm-hmm. offered through third study abroad third party providers, gotcha. and then those advisors. So I'll use an example like IES abroad is one mm-hmm. that we use a lot. So the advisors at IES abroad are then going to get to know you and say like oh, Veronica, she's really good at marketing and communication. She should be on this radio station. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they help place the people. But essentially, cool. if you're approved by WNL to an internship program, the organization is then going to help you find an internship. Awesome. Like, you're guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds like a great opportunity. You don't have to, you know, face a million of rejection letters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very so supportive. Nice. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> You know, yeah. after, after the sixth one, you're just like, oh. Oh, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's very painful. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know, my whole show is about giving people advice. I love talking to people, and I love <laughs> giving people advice and letting other people give advice. So if you can give students who consider studying abroad during their time in college one advice, what would it be? So I would say to just go for it. If you have any kind of, like, oh, I'm sort of interested, any mm-hmm. kind of, like, yeah spark of interest to try because there's so many people that will help you like my colleague Cindy Irby is meeting with pretty much every person that Mm -hmm. wants to go abroad for a semester or full term which is pretty incredible if you think of how many people go abroad and then I'm happy to meet with you for spring term your advisors will help you so just start talking to people Mm -hmm. and my second advice would be once you you know take the plunge and you're going to study abroad 
to remind yourself what a privilege it is. Like it's so rare if you think globally, like who is actually going overseas to study? It's rare and it's such an honor to be able to do Mm -hmm. it. And I think having that mindset helps people be more open and, you know, take advantage of the experience. So. I love that. You know, after this interview, Cindy getting my uh, application to study abroad in Australia, I'd be like, mm, you know, maybe I just got very inspired. Oh, Who knows? good. <laughs> then what will that be for you three times? Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, so cool. Yeah, I was a uh, squared international student in Scotland, you know, because I'm like, back <laughs> and now, you know, maybe I really want to go. We'll see. We'll see. I hope it's going to work out with my double major. In the point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as long as you plan early, like, yeah. you know, people do, people study about all the time with multiple majors so it's uh it's possible you just got to plan and start planning early yes that's a good that's a great advice too (laughs) you know yeah and I I, you see I need to listen to the advice that people give on my show too it's great it's it's a win-win situation I just get to hear it firsthand and I get to share it that's amazing (laughs) but that's the favorite part of my job what about you what is the favorite part of your job Oh, wow. I think it's just so varied. Like Mm -hmm. right now I'm talking to you, which is lovely. And like I am talking with students and working on budgets. And so it's just something different every Mm -hmm. day. And I really like that. It keeps it exciting and it's uh, it's challenging. And and that's, you know, what makes it fun. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Julian. Those are all the questions that I had. This has been amazing. All of the advice, all the personal stories. I love it. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. And with that, Jillian kicks off the new season of Veronica with a K. More exciting guests are coming your way weekly on 91.5 WLUR at 1 p.m. EDT and on all major streaming platforms after. Remember, no one will discover the world for you.